Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport, the record book. Hello and welcome everybody to the Game Bay Record Book Podcast with me, Danny Kelly. Your regular um, look back on the football that's happened at the weekend. Now, those who are regular, there's tens and hundreds of thousands of you. Obviously, it's not going to happen just now in the strange circumstances we're in. Um, so I'm delighted to say we've got together some of the great and the good from the podcast, some of our most popular um, set of co-presenters as well as myself. And each week over the next few weeks, we're going to look back on a whole season. Same perform- format. Um, heroes, villains, best performances and worst performances. But this week, and we're going to call it the Game Day Record Book Archive Podcast, an even snappier name uh, for the podcast. Alongside me, I'm delighted to say the form. I think it's worth saying uh, you've got had a lot of clubs, but for this <laughs> week, it's worth it's worth saying the former Queens Park Rangers. If you look at the Rangers season, you'll understand why I'm saying that. Uh, the rain, former Queens Park Rangers midfielder Sean Derry. Hi, Sean. Hi, Danny. Uh, Mark Webster is also here with us, regular with us. Hi, Mark. Hello there, Dan. I, I do like, for the sake of brevity, cutely R's Sean Derry. I, I, like, I like that, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, when you understand that the season we're going to look back on this year, and thank you all for understanding that things are a bit different, is 2011-2012. <laughs> Any other differences you hear in the sound of my voice and stuff is because I'm halfway up, uh, we don't really have mountains, halfway up a very high hill in Southern Ireland, um, inside a kind of foam... Um, cavern that I've had to build for the equipment. The lads are in the studio. Thank you for having the, the well, thank you very much for downloading us. Well, here he is coming out. The miracle man, really. Fabrice Mwamba watching his teammates tonight for the first time since he was released from hospital. It is very emotional for him. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! Let's start, if I may say, straight away, Sean Derry and Mark Webster, season 2011-2012. I mean, just an incredible season, and you'll understand um, why we were interested particularly in Sean's time at QPR, because he can nearly relate to every one of these circumstances. He's in the middle of it all. (laughs) Sean, he's actually on the pitch for nearly all of these events. Sean, who's your your hero of the 2011-2012 season? Well, Danny, it can only be one man, and that man himself was Aguero. Yeah. Had to have his name spelt differently from that moment forth, hasn't he, really? Yeah. I mean, to be involved in that day 
And every time I look back on that day now, I see me sliding on my knees, trying to stop the, the magical third goal of Sergio Aguero. Me and Clint Hill on our knees, thinking we're actually both relegated. Well, Sean, it's such a brilliant moment to have you here. Why don't you just tell us, you know, obviously Rangers had gone a goal up, then City had equalised. It still wasn't enough for them to win the title. I think the title would have gone to Manchester United. Um, and... Just describe what you saw and did in that 30 seconds before Aguero. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously the game, um, for me and for many others, Danny and Mark would have been the standout game of many years, not just yeah. the 2011-2012 the season. But having gone behind 1-0 on the 38th minute to the prolific Zabaleta, who scored the first goal for Manchester <laughs> uh-huh. City, and took about seven deflections. No, and no one noticed him at all, did at they? At all. Not at all. <laughs> Zabaleta on the right wing and he pops up and takes the lead for, for Man City was bizarre in mm-hmm. itself. But even more so, was coming back at one all with Gibral Cisse and then... And I'll go on to this further in the piece when um, Joey Barton lost his marbles completely and yeah. I was taking the lead. I was taking the lead through a Jamie Mackey flying nose Bless header him. that came off the top, the bridge of his nose. But to see, to see Manchester City's stadium and none more so than the manager at the time, I mean, he was absolutely going ballistic <laughs> to the, and, and, and using all the worst words that he could possibly use to, 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 to mankind. Just, <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable. But up pops in the 94th minute and 37 oh, oh seconds, I'm wow. sure it was. They had five minutes to play extra time and we just thought, you know, at that moment in time, at 2-all, we had no idea what was happening in the players no, on the pitch. No, no idea whatsoever. The right side of the pitch, the right back, the right midfielders did know because the message had been transferred to them that the result at, between Bolton and Stoke enabled us to stay in the Premier League. The rest of the pitch had no idea. So when Sergio Aguero went on his mazy run and ended up banging the ball in from about eight yards... Um, which I thought Paddy Kenny could still have saved. Yeah, do you it, really? Yeah. When you think about it, <laughs> hold, hold still... on, a second. Pat Kenny, what could you have done to stop it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So honestly, Danny, when he scored that goal, I was caught in all sorts of emotions. I was caught in, a, in an emotion of devastation because I thought, you know, our chance of staying in the Premier League was well and truly gone. Mm. But I also was. F- caught up in the emotion of this stadium absolutely erupting and being on the floor thinking hang on a minute I'm part of this this is going to be yeah without doubt folklore isn't a it a massive now? goal this could easily be ever. talked about on an obscure podcast in first 15 years time <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Danny, big yeah. podcast in the bid invented <laughs> exactly Sean That's Darrow was, was pitching forwards <laughs> it, it was it was it was like I, I can only I can only explain that it, I was there, but I wasn't there. Uh, yeah. I was watching it from the stands. <laughs> you know, I was watching it on the TV. An out-of-body experience. It was, yeah. it was bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. And wow. it was just, you know, my... my well, as you say, can, we, can we just say, that in the middle of all that, everyone forgets the critical touch in that move was Mario Balotelli. Who came on as a substitute. Mm. You know, he came yeah. on as a substitute and made, for me, the biggest difference in the game. Balotelli came on because... 
Manchester City were playing like Manchester City. Even now, they were playing that type of football where they were trying to penetrate through the thirds, mm. get into the final third, and we had a block of ten. You know, we had, <laughs> we, had the, we had the goalie and nine in front. We were defending on the edge of the 18-yard box, wow. and they were trying to shoot from 25, 30 yards. It was going out for a, you know, for throwing some of them. But as soon as Balotelli came on the pitch, the dynamics of the game changed completely. Yeah, interesting man. His name's going to crop up, trust me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, that's the first of our heroes. I mean, is it, is it a moment? I think it's the mo- moment where the Premier League arrives, myself. Um, the experiment had been going on for you know, 15 years then. But there you saw an expensively imported player, an expensively assembled team justify all that money and a crowd, a club that had traditionally sort of um, been a yo-yo club um, exploding into life. And I think that as long as the Premier League remains the predominant and, um, d- and overruling organisation in global football, they can look back on that moment. And Sean, you were on the pitch as one of the great moments, and he's one of our heroes. Uh, you've chosen a goalkeeper, Mark. I have, and... I've, I've somewhat thrown him under the bus here because he's not going <laughs> to... I basically set this poor fella up to lose. Uh, and I feel bad about that because that's fundamentally how his career went sort of after this season went for him as well. Is Joe Hart, golden gloves wow. during the course of that season. 17 clean sheets during the course of that season. These things were crucial to his football club. And to, and, and you have to remember as well, he was also this fella that kind of got... Uh, he got bought from... Um, what did he come out? Shrewsbury. Mm. Um, he, he played a bit. Then when Ericsson left and, you had, and Mancini came in, he went out on loan. So he, was, he wasn't in the club for a while. He basically was just, re- just re-establishing himself back in this Man City side and for, uh, for Mancini. Mancini had him scouted. He, had, he was not having a, a bit of him at all. So he ends up basically being the man who keeps those clean sheets. And he's, you know, so there as a keeper, he helps underpin that Man City season. And then, as it goes, his career sort of pretty much started to tumble out of control from that moment forth, which is amazing, really. So, just from his own point of view, I want to give him this year. I want yeah, to give him eleven, twelve, because it's it was Joe Hart's season in his career. I think. Let, let's let's say you're right. Let's say you're right, and um, and he was a hero that season, and, and you're right to nominate him, Sean Derry. You're the professional footballer among us. Um, I've had my say more than once about Joe Hart and his multiple moving parts, but. Um, how can it be that a player in a specialist position can go from being talked about as being one of the best in the world to a place where, you know, it's still in the prime. He's physically in his prime now. Yeah. Goal it's, keeping. it's still his early and 30s, isn't he? Yeah. And he cannot get a first team berth anywhere near the Premier League. I think out of all the goalkeepers, um, Joe Hart is the one particular goalkeeper that's been affected by the biggest factor of the change of goalkeepers over the last five to six years. And that's the fact that they start the attack with right. their feet. Right. And unfortunately for Joe, um, you know, that isn't the biggest kind of tick box that he's got in his armory. He is a fine goalkeeper. And I still think he's a top, top goalkeeper for for a certain football club in the Premier League. I still think he can play in the Premier League. I mean, he's obviously... You know, the, the the spiral that he's found himself on, losing his England shirt, losing yeah. his Manchester City shirt, going out on loan, it not really being a positive loan for him, him coming into to Burnley and still not getting his shirt. It's only down to a lack of confidence. And I use this, I don't use this word as sort of like, you know, as a, a pejorative, but like, 
it's affected, it seems, his arrogance, and I mean that, and as I say, in a positive way, that it's a super confident man. And, yeah. of course, once that was knocked, it all seemed like a house of cards almost. Absolutely. And I just look, he, at, he, I, I look at Joe Hart now, and I think, where next? Where mm. next for Joe oh, Hart? Oh, obviously. I mean, that was, uh, the thought is absolutely right because it's very, now, now you've got taking on Joe Hart. You've gone from um, a cast iron certainty to an actual gamble whether you're going to get anything out of the fella. And of course, I don't think it was all helped by some of the England teams he played in. I think he was in goal, wasn't he, for the dreadful game against Iceland, where he himself looked far too worked up at the start of the game. Yes. Um, and if Sean, if Sean Derry was on the pitch for one of our heroes, then I was also at the game where another hero emerged in that 2011-2012 season. Um, I was at White Hart Lane for the game between Spurs and Bolton um, when uh, Fabrice yeah. Mwamba had his heart attack. My hero um, of this season is a man called Dr. Andrew Dina, um, who was in the crowd when Fabrice fell unchallenged, um, it, effectively right in the middle of the pitch, fell flat out, landed on the back of his head and was just lying there. Um, first of all, let's be honest, uh, around me, not myself, but around me, so everybody, oh, for God's sake, get up, what's the matter with you? For some reason, they thought that Fabrice in the middle of the game was, um, was feigning injury. Wow. Um, I never looked at those people because they were behind me. When it became clear something terrible had happened, I thought, if I turn around and make eye contact, there's going to be a confrontation here because they, they really had gone for quite a while. Oh, my God, get your, come on, son, get up, etc. Um, but uh, the, the, the Spurs, met, the medics had gone on the pitch, the uh, St. John Ambulance and what have you. Um, but the real hero was a man, I say, called Andrew Dina, who was in the crowd with his brother. And he said, I think, I said to his brother, I think that lad's got something wrong with his He's had a heart attack. Um, and his brother said, well, you should get on the pitch then. But which, when you think about it, um, it's the logical thing to say, but not the thing you might first think of when you're in a football ground no. where going on the pitch, unless you're a West Ham fan, is absolutely a no-no, <laughs> right? Good point. And, uh, and not <laughs> many of them, by the way, are, made, are famous heart surgeons. I will, no, no, I'll to be fair, yeah. if it happened at West Ham, the doctor would have to fight his way through the crowds of people shouting at Mark Noble, wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, anyway, he went on and he did the the necessary medical things. I, I, also, he was confronted by what he described in an interview office as a young steward he said, where do you think you're going? He said, but to be fair, he said, I'm a heart doctor. He said, all right, get on the pitch. Um, and there's a brilliant picture when everything is being stabilised. And we didn't know, none of us, what condition Fabrice was going to be in. And by the way, what a man he turned out to be yes, afterwards. Too right. The way he talks about it and all the rest of it. And the person you see marching along in front of um, the people in the high-vis vest holding the... The, 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 the stretcher that Fabrice was under, that's Dr. Andrew Dina. He went to the hospital with him. Um, there's some very sweet uh, discussions about uh, um, when, he, when Fabrice wakes up, um, Andrew says to him, do you know your name? And he says, um, Fabrice Moamba. He says, uh, do, do you know that you're a footballer? He says, I try. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, Brilliant. And I, I, don't, I don't know that we really, um, you know, I don't think that Sergio Aguero can be beaten in this category, but I thought it would have been wrong um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a world where we uh, are currently so dependent on people with medical skills not to remember that in the middle of all the football there was a very serious medical emergency and somebody in a football crowd emerged um, to revive uh, the Bolton midfielder. So those are our choices, and fantastic ones they were. Sean Derry watching very closely as Sergio Aguero wins the league. Uh, Joe Hart um, watching from the other end of the pitch, um, but a brilliant goalkeeper that season. Or Dr. Andrew Dina, 
as I say, uh, probably in a separate category, really, uh, the man who saved, uh, or helped save the life of Fabrice Mwamba. Um, Sean, uh, you, you're, you're going to stick with Aguero? I am, yeah. I'm going to stick mm. with, uh, but I mean, but Dr. Andrew Dina. I mean, wow, what, what a hero. Though, a, a different, different thing, type yeah. of hero. I'm glad, but I'm glad, Dan, that you, as you say, that you, that you, that you doffed your cap to him. He deserves it. You yeah. talk about the front line now being how important yeah. he proved it to be there. But if we're staying with football, let's go with the other fella at the front line. Absolutely. I, yeah. Aguero. <laughs> He's a disgrace to Liverpool Football Club. That some player should not be allowed to play for Liverpool again. The history of that club's got, and he does that. And in a situation like today, could have caused a riot. I thought I was really disappointed in that guy. That was terrible what he did. I think you're very severe, and I think you're bang out of order. To blame Luis Suarez for anything that happened to you today, right? I think predominantly the people, both sets of fans, behaved really well. They had a bit of banter between each other, no problem. Are you concerned with the might be such a divide amongst the fans? No, the, the only thing I can say on that is we all, we've always felt that the majority of the fans, the vast majority of the fans, are all behind the side. Joey Barton, back at Manchester City, gets a red card, and that is the ninth of the season for Queen's Park Rangers. Oh, now then, what's he gone and done there as well? I think he's hit a guero. Next up, let's talk about our villains of the season. Mark, why don't you start with, um, I mean, literally, you might as well be wearing one of those curly moustaches um, that pantomime villains have, but this is no pantomime, actually. Well, no, he was uh, he, he proved himself to be uh, a worthy returner to the pantomime season many seasons in a row, Luis Suarez. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I think it's probably worth, I, I think I have to put him in this category, not necessarily simply for the fact that he um, picked up an eight-game and 40-grand fine uh, for abusing uh, Patrice, Fier- uh, Patrice Everett on the on the field of play. And lest we forget as well that there was a lot of defence for him during this time from Liverpool fans. And I'm not pointing fingers here because perhaps there was ignorance with the, you know, with a small line in terms of what had happened. But I think there's two things that you need to account for him here within the course of this. First of all, that there was an appeal on more to the point there was a, doc- a document produced and then the appeal was dropped by Liverpool at that particular stage. Uh, that, that went away. But of course, he then managed to get back on the field of play in the return fixture and managed during the course of that to refuse to shake Patrice Evra's hand and also larrap the ball at the opposition dugout during the course of the match as well to let him know what he thought about them. So um, he doubled down for me yeah. during the course of that season as villain. Exactly. Um, just something that came out of uh, I thought about later, Sean Derrick. I'll keep returning to you because um, here's Patrice Evra um, has now. I don't know if you follow him on on Twitter in particular, Instagram too. <laughs> he is such an amazing guy. He gets up every morning and he celebrates life. Those things where he sings along to disco hits of the past, if I might use that expression, is one of the most joyous things I've ever seen. Had you, when you were playing against Patrice Evra, had you any idea that he was a character? No idea at all, but I um, I, I know Rio Ferdinand a little bit. Ah, not, not, uh-huh. too, not too much, just a little bit. No, no, sure, and, sure. and he'll tell some unbelievable stories about Patrice Evra as a teammate of his at Manchester yeah. United. And he said he was the standout character in that in that well, dressing and room. we saw that by the way famously didn't we with Le Bleu 
Yeah. He was absolutely the shop steward for absolutely. the French national team, wasn't he? Yeah. And, uh, and, and But as you say, Dan, a real character. And, of course, he draw, draws attention to himself. And sometimes I'd, you know, you might argue that it's, well, like it's the chicken, negative. The chicken episode. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> things... More chicken bizarre. coming in a few seconds, I can assure yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. But, it's, you know, and, and, but, but whatever way you look at it, Luis, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing, an iota or anything that he drew what happened to him oh, upon no, himself. Oh, no, no, nothing that's, of the sort. Yeah, no, exactly. Nothing of the sort. Um, sorry, what is the chicken? Remind people who are listening what the chicken episode is. It, it, I, I saw something on online about where he, he just bit, or no, he started licking the chicken, didn't he? An uncooked chicken. Chicken licking? <laughs> <laughs> and wow. I think everybody was just baffled, weren't they, about well, this what is, is very, this guy doing? Yes, I, yeah. I know this podcast in the recent podcast season, uh, award season has won all the awards. This Here's the reason why. You mentioned a man licking a chicken. <laughs> Mario Balotelli, previously mentioned and soon to be mentioned again, of course, had that fantastic chicken hat. Um, if you remember the yeah. great big hat, he wanted to look like a, look, look like a cartoon chicken. Yes. My sister, who's a genius, has did me an exact replica. And when I get back to England, boys, I'll wear it to the next podcast. And <laughs> my villain of the season 2011-2012, being reviewed here on the record uh, book, uh, the record, the game day record book archive podcast, um, is the Venkies. Um, and of course, <laughs> they say. <laughs> And I they mean, are famously. Unless we forget, Dan, I should point out here is that uh, if anyone's ever done a better impression of Colonel Sanders than I do, oh, and I've there's, yet, to, the, meet, I've the yet to meet the man. So <laughs> just the, so carry on. There's, the, there's, your, there's your, your winner for ten points. Mark Webster looks just like the Colonel. <laughs> Finger looking um, good, always happy. He's got the t-shirt I mean, the, on today as well. Venkies, Venkies took over um, Blackburn a year before the season we're discussing. Um, and of course, we should make the point that they were then called, uh, their, their real name is Venka Treshwara Hatcheries. Well played. They run a hatchery, yeah. Um, and it sounds like, uh, sound like their whole name, but of course the hatchery uh, part is actually a description uh, of the The hatchery's work. the important part, yes, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, they actually paid plenty of money back in the day for Blackburn yeah. Rovers. They, they, they paid 46 million quid for the club, which in those days was a lot of money, and they had oh, debts of, of over 20 million. So it seemed they'd come in there with the best of intentions. The problem was they had the best of intentions, but no blinking idea no. on God's green earth how to run an English football club. Mm. Now... Um, the first thing they did uh, was to uh, very quickly sack Premier League expert Sam Allardyce, then at the height of his powers, um, and replace him with the Scottish coach Steve Keane. Now, I'm not going to say nobody had heard of Steve Keane, but if you actually, if you, Steve Keane, let's put it fair, when he was managing a Premier League football club, could still have walked down the street, were totally unmolested by autograph hunters. I Blackburn thought you know, Ice Street as well, that. by the way, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and indeed in his own front room, people <laughs> yeah. say, sorry. <laughs> who are you? Um, and, the, and of course, the controversy was that the man who had brokered the deal for the Venkies um, and the Hatcheries Company to buy Blackburn Rovers was the agent Jerome Anderson, and he happened to be the agent of Steve Keane. Wow. Anyway, anyway, um, the we all know the story for the 2011-2012 season. It is absolutely rotten for Blackburn Rovers. They stink the place out and are relegated. Um, it still takes the Venkies, who, of course, uh, famously one of them said, one of the family said, hang on, what's relegation? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they hadn't quite worked out that you could get Tran out of the fantastically lucrative upper echelons of the <laughs> Premier League. Um, 
It took them another three or four months to sack Steve in the following season. And if I tell you, the last club, that uh, the only club that Steve Keane um, managed after Blackburn Rovers was Dooley Pengrigan Muda Makota in Brunei. You can see that the uh, the path of his career never really recovered um, from being promoted by the Venkis. Yeah, I'd um, say Blackburn that's a Rovers fans, curve. Blackburn Rovers fans, I mean, will blame Steve Keane, but uh, I think overall we could say that the, the Venkis have not been <laughs> a, uh, a positive influence on the former Premier League champions. And I think we'll say further um, that 2011-2012 was their worst year, even though they've been relegated out of, out of, out of the championship ever since. Um which takes us, Sean, to another uh, villain, your choice of villain, yeah. who you were also on the pitch with when <laughs> this thing happened. Not for long. I will take you. <laughs> I will take you back to the year of 2011-2012 season, and in particular the 54th minute of the game. Um, the score was 1-1, and a certain Joey Barton wow. decided to. Well, absolutely erupt. That's what he now, done. Not everyone. There'll be young. There'll be a lot of young people they listening will. to us. I, I, I imagine. Um, so tell us what, what Joey actually did. Now, bear in mind, um, he's a former Manchester City player yes, up against um, his playing against his old team in an incredibly important game where his current team could be relegated. Absolutely, um, it's still very no, close. So nothing on yet, it. Nothing. Nothing yeah, on it Mark, and at all. You'd For think anybody. he would be determined to remain on the pitch. What happened? Well, our captain, Joey Barton. Um, who... <laughs> Forgot that bit, yeah. Yep. So we have the, the, the captain of QPR, Joey Barton, in the 54th minute, decided to elbow Tevez. As Tevez was war- um, making his move into the 18-yard box, he just slightly, slightly brushed the top of his nose with the elbow. And Tevez mm-hmm. obviously hit the ground. Who was the referee that day, Ooh, by the way? go on. Mr. Mike Dean. I was going to say, it must be Dean, uh, must yeah. yeah. Come with the hour, so come with the correct The name. man himself <laughs> decided to go and have a little chat with the linesman, who had obviously seen this incident in the 54th minute. Now then, hang on. So Mike Dean goes, goes to the touchline to consult. Yes. The very thing he's stopping referees doing now, yeah? Yep, yeah, absolutely. And, oh, it, oh, and at that moment in time, there was a cluster of about 18 men all in each other's faces trying to, you know, trying to settle the situation. But no, Joey erupted in the 54th minute, elbowing Tevez. Not only did he get sent off, but on his way off the pitch, he decided to <laughs> knee-kick Aguero into the behind... <laughs> Oh. Headbutt Vincent Company. No. Oh. Attempt to grapple with Balotelli. And then the calmness of Mika Richards, who was the substitute at the time, decided to run Let onto him. the pitch, grab hold of Joey. Yeah. And I think there was a long lasting friendship between Mika and Joey. And I only just yes, recently watched other. the clip and they were talking like long lost friends. Really? Nothing had happened. So, wow. who normally takes... You're laughing about... I'm laughing about it now, but who normally takes the, 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 the red-carded gentleman off the pitch out of all the coaching staff? Well, it's normally the goalkeeping it... coach. Oh, is it? <laughs> is, that <laughs> right? is that right? So, the goalkeeper coach, who at this point was um, Kevin Hitchcock, yeah. decided to put his arm around Joey, but, uh, Kevin, don't do that. <laughs> Kevin, no. Do not do that no. when this man is in he's, the He's a bit sensitive at the moment. Yeah. So, Kevin Hitchcock got, nearly got th- flung <laughs> to the floor as well, and the whole it... thing just erupted. 
And it it's was just... like that scene in, in, in Faulty Towers where Mr. O'Reilly, the builder, <laughs> tries, <laughs> yes, try, tries to be nice to Mrs. Faulty. Yeah. And, he, and Mr. F- and John Cleese goes, oh, no, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that was Kevin, Kevin Hitchcock, wasn't it? Bless him. But not many people, I mean, Danny, know why Joey Barton yeah, done the, this. Is, I mean, we know that know? he's kind I of do. a short fuse, but what's his trigger? So the trigger was obviously he got red carded and he knew he was off. Sure. But Bobby Zamora went over to Joey Barton and said, take one down with you. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> right? Really? So that is what happened. So the reason Joey erupted in the manner of which he did is he tried to get one of the Manchester City players sent off. So trying to draw well someone in. else into yeah, it. To yeah, make it, to make it 10 v 10. I like it, though. Oh, that's amazing, Sean. I like that's some more. I like Bobby, by Zamora. Bobby Zamora is like Napoleon with his tactical thinking here. That's amazing. <laughs> So, Which reminds me, and I think I think Bobby played for um, all the clubs that we like. He played for Rangers, he played for West Ham. Oh, West Ham hero, absolutely, yeah. yes. And he played for Spurs where he was absolutely useless. Now, I don't, <laughs> blame, I don't blame Bobby for that because he was in a terrible, terrible Spurs team. But I think it took him like 40 games or something to score his first goal, which led to... Uh, to the song from the terraces, uh, to the tune of Dean Martin's uh, "That's Amore," and it, it used to go, um, "When the ball hits your head and you're sat in rosette, that's, that's Amore." <laughs> yeah, it was. Poor yeah. Bob. Yeah. Wow, what? Oh, a... what a what a brilliant number. Very quick question because we we need to move on. Very quick question to you, uh, Sean. Um, what do people say? Is it possible to say anything to Joey Barton when you get in after the game? Let me just tell you what happened. So <laughs> afterwards, we went into the dressing room and we were absolutely ecstatic by one person, which was Anton Ferdinand, who was obviously the brother of Rio, yeah. because Rio hadn't won his 10th Premier League. United at the time, of course. Title. Yes. So Anton was absolutely bemused in the corner. And we were all delighted, but sat on the bus having a nice can of Foster's beer was none other than Joey Barton. So showered and perfumed, showered, and everything. perfumed the lot, oh, having a little wow. Foster's, just having a little Crimped. Foster's on, wow. on the bus. And because we had a number of French players as well in the QPR ranks, and Manchester City having a number of French players, they wanted to have a conversation on the bus because there were still thousands and thousands of people around the Etihad. Amazing. One person didn't let these French guys go no. on the bus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, was the, it was the funniest day I the think I've ever had in football. keeps on giving, Joey Barton. Wow, brilliant. Uh, Sean, we almost need to do a separate podcast just about that day <laughs> and your experience of it. it but listen, great. fantastic, um, uh, a rather serious villain in the form of Luis Suarez. Uh, my nomination in the Venki family and their inability to recognise uh, promotion and relegation. Um, and Joey Barton, um, again, at um, the Etihad Stadium in Manchester for that amazing game that decided the league title. Mark, I'll let you have your say on this one. Well, who, who are you going with? I, Suarez got his and has continued to get his since yes. he got it then. So I am stepping back from this one here and handing it to Mr <laughs> Joey Barton. I'm sorry. And as a person who has spent a summer two years ago preparing to do a regular Monday night show with Joey Barton, um, including many, many meetings with Joey, his legal representatives, and he won't mind me saying, uh, his then guru, um, only for the show to be blown up after one week because of something that Joey didn't like. Um, I'm going to go with him as well for the villain of the season, 2011 and 2012. The Venkis off the hook there. Well done to them. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game that people will refer to as maybe the moment when the Premier League started to belong to Manchester City and they come through again with Silva, Dzeko, Dzeko against the goalkeeper, Dzeko drives it beyond David De Gea and they score six, Manchester City score six at Old Trafford. Cesar! Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, that has come from absolutely nothing. Papisisi spotted Peter Cech off his line. He was all alone and with a first-time shot, it's curled and gone over. Peter Cech into the back of the net. Chelsea nil, Newcastle United 2. Next up, we have to get to our performance of the season. Um, and I'll go first this time because um, I have a... A double-edged sword in my hand here. Um, I often take the mickey out of Alan Pardew, not because of that dance at Wembley, because uh, that would be That's a... That's good a, reason, though, Dan. Come on. A, yeah, but it would be a person throwing stones, Mark. You know how much I love music, <laughs> yes. but I cannot I was dance. there for that final, oh, by the way. Oh, were you? Oh, oh Sean. Did you oh, have a look? Oh, no. Good. <laughs> so even physically from hunt, from 200 yards away, it was as awful as it appeared <laughs> it on the was, telly. But it was on the big screens when oh, we got the big no. screens. And you saw it actually taking Dan, place w- Dan, on I've got a man, big screens. There's a man in emotional trauma brilliant. sitting in just five yards <laughs> away from me here. Wow. Sean's, Sean, Sean is like the Zelig of 2011-12, isn't he? Phones up everywhere. <laughs> um, listen, I've, so I've occasionally had to go Alan Pardew about various things. And on my Monday night show on Talk Sport, the press box, Sean Custis, who is the big uh, cheese in the sports section of the Sun newspaper, is a, an amazingly knowledgeable guy who has an interesting and flat, you know, level-headed view on everything to do with football until you mention Newcastle United. You think I'm bad about Spurs. He is. He can't be spoken to about them. So we 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 rig him. We grig him mercilessly. We poke him with pointed sticks, and he goes off back Newcastle. So my performance of the year. It's Newcastle United. Yeah. I mean, when you see the way they've played over the last 15 years, you think, 
hang on, really, that club? But they're, And everyone always talks about Kevin Keegan and his entertainers, but in between, there was another very good Newcastle United team. And that's the team of 2011-2012 under the aforementioned Alan Pardew. They had a tremendous season and were rocking along beautifully. In January, they went back into the transfer window and added to Denver Bar the figure of Papis Cisse. And from January onwards, they were unstoppable. They scored goals galore yeah. and rocketed up the table. Brilliant partnership up front with Alan Pardew. Stood on the sidelines like he used to remember. He folds his arms a lot, doesn't he, like a scientist, like he knows more than you. He, he knows but, exactly what's happening and coming. But yeah. it, and yet that season, he seemed to do, actually do it. Let me tell you two upshots of this. Well, three. One, Newcastle just missed out on the Champions League place. So they finished fifth. Um, which, of course, this year, if we ever get the season finished, may well be good enough. But then it meant they just missed out. But two other things. Alan Pardew was Premier League Manager of the Year. He was, yeah. Let, let that sink in, former yeah. West Ham fans. And on top of that, it was on the back of this performance that Mike Ashley uh, put his pint down, wandered back into the, into the director's box and gave him the, the infamous, was it eight or nine-year contract? Just the eight. I think, eight. was it just the eight? Eight, the, he the longest, the eight, he? Yeah, exactly. the longest contract One ever offered to, eight, yeah. to a manager <laughs> in the English Premier League went to Alan Pardew after Newcastle's fantastic second half of the season of 2011-12 and when they finished fifth in the table. Um, that's my idea of the best performance. Uh, what have you got, Sean? Well, I've gone for um, a man making his debut that season, um, oh. Gary Neville. Obviously, recently retired and made his debut as a as a pundit. Of course, yeah, yes. yeah he did, yeah. And I think God, is it really that long ago? It's I know. Do you right. know what? That's the weirdest. That's that's ten years nudging now. It then, feels like wow. it feels like two and a half years ago to yeah, me. Yeah, true. Absolutely incredible. And I, I just think he absolutely changed the dynamics of uh, of punditry. He did it pretty quickly, did, didn't he? For absolutely. a man for whom it was brand new. It yeah. was brand new, and um, you know we'd obviously seen and heard a lot of Andy Gray of um, previous years. Sure. Um, but when Gary Neville jumped onto the scene, I thought he just changed the whole dynamics. And what he'd done as well, and what he continues to do to this day, is captivate everybody's opinion. Mm. And I, you know, at this moment in time, of I, I'm coaching the 23s at Crystal Palace, and he's, and, and he's the one person who the players can really relate to when you're actually talking and trying to analyse a game. So as much as, of course, I want to be listened to every day by the players, <laughs> yeah. I'm every not single word. Gary Neville. Pearls of wisdom. So yeah. when it comes to uh, analysing... Ironically, Sean, the reason the reason you're here is we can't afford Gary Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But Sean, I mean, the thing about it for me as a, a punter, and I don't know about you as well, Dan, but you'd not obviously known him as a player. Yeah. The bit that get, got me is that was nothing I saw him in as a player no. that suggested he would make this transition. No, absolutely not. You know, people kind of labelled him, didn't they, of boring Gary Neville. Mm. And he's far oh, hang from on. And, and, and he was the shop steward for the England squad, wasn't he? If ever he they, was, needed yeah. a, they needed comfier beds, it was Gary who would go and lay the law down. Yeah, um, but no, he actually think... he, he smashed one of my preconceptions to pieces. I always thought that um, we were going too far down the road of having only professional players as pundits, ex-professional players. I thought you still needed a leavening of journalists and, in frankly, Brett's from broadcasters um, because the players were always... They, they would go 
75% along the road of criticizing somebody, and then you could see them actually going, oh, hang on, will I see him at the yeah. PFA dinner? Yeah. Yeah. Will I see him at that testimonial dinner? Absolutely. Neville didn't give a no, damn. He no holds barred, doors wasn't in. it? Yeah. No. He kicked the doors in. And, you know, even, even somebody as captivatingly brilliant on television as Roy Keane, you get the impression with Roy, and uh, I'm, God, I'm, I'm saying this and I hope to, uh, near certain he doesn't hear this podcast. doesn't live near you, does he? <laughs> he doesn't live near <laughs> Hang on, no, no. You, it's going to be, he's he's a, shut the gates. This is getting pretty no, dangerous. He's <laughs> over the other side of the country in Cork. Um, the, the, but, but even Roy, you think some of it, hey, Roy has an act. He's a shtick, doesn't he? There's some of it's yeah, a shtick. So. But Neville, there's none of that. And for me, I remember the moment I thought, you've really arrived now. Um, he was talking about something about which he ought to have no knowledge at all, goalkeeping. Some goalkeeper had made a mistake in a game. Suddenly, Gary jumped up from behind the desk, you may remember this, and set himself in the position of a goalkeeper about to face a shot. And he started moving up and down the studio as though cutting down the angles for the shots. I mean, it was magnificent. And he was, he was so into the performance as a goalkeeper. Um, you're right, he's gone on. And except for, let's not forget his sojourn at Valencia in Absolutely. the middle of all this, which yes. at least makes him seem human, uh, Sean, when he could go to a club, um, I think it's a favour to his mate Peter Lim, yeah. make an absolute codsrow of the whole thing. He did. Um, and then just bounce straight back into punditry. Here I am, I'm back now. Think of it as his two weeks holiday in Spain. <laughs> let's, let's not do that to him. That's perhaps that's well, the way to he, treat it. He lost a lot of games in two weeks, Mark. Yeah, he, did. No, 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 he, he did, no, no, he did. No, he, he, he went for it. And he did a he did a mighty fine job. Yeah, I he's thought that was a good. great debut season for Gary. Neville. I had a great he's debut. Very, very good. Very indeed. good point, Mark. Yours is an individual performance. Well, it, sorry, a, t a one match. It is, and it kind of you you mentioned the fact that the you know the, the, perhaps you saw Premier League come alive with the Aguero goal at the end, and I wonder if we saw the sea change in the game that I picked, which happened on the twenty third of October at Old Trafford, Manchester United one, Manchester City six. Wow. Now, that was, um, you look at the records on that, it was their worst home defeat since 1955, the most goals conceded since 1930. First time they'd lost at home since uh, a, a good couple of years prior. This was Roberto Mancini putting six over yeah. on Sir Alex, let alone, you know, one. Um, it, it arguably swung on Johnny Evans getting sent off relatively early in the second half, but they were 2-0 down at that stage anyway. Jekko came on and scored, Aguero scored, Davis Silva scored an absolute beauty. I, I suppose it was a sixth one, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. So well, he's entitled the sixth to beat. The goal, if I can remember right, was a David Silva pass for Jekko. Yes, which amazing was just pass. the best that pass was it. That was of the it. season. That was it. And it, it really was. But it was course, amazing. And it's also Balotelli, who City fans I know still hold and revere and esteem in the way that Torres was when he had his great season in this country. It was the Why Always Me t-shirt yeah. game as well. So for me, it had everything. But what it was, it was arguably the changing of the guard game in our modern game. Definitely that, yeah. Definitely that, where we see, you know, Manchester United, who, I mean, now we're used to them kind of, um, you know, peddling very fast to get back into the top four or back into the steam in which they used to be held. Um, but then to see them getting that kind of walloping at home was absolutely extraordinary. Um, so I think this is this is, for me. This is one of the hardest is, um, yeah. sections, isn't it? Um, Newcastle finishing fifth and and finishing like a train in the Premier League. Manchester United um, getting an absolute walloping from the what turned out to be the champions. And of course, if the result of that day had been different, let's say a one-all draw instead of a six-one defeat, 
Sean, you wouldn't have had all that excitement on the last day of the season. Uh, and I wouldn't be here now, would I? <laughs> yeah, incredibly yeah. important. That's match. right, the goal difference, Dan. You're right. Yeah. Of, course, of course, you know, you kind yeah. of have to work Utterly, your way back absolutely. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Utterly yeah. critical match in the race yeah. for the title as well. Um, or uh, Gary Neville coming into uh, Sky Television and not just beginning to transform um, the way we uh, understand the game through punditry, but transforming it in perhaps three months that it took him to learn the ropes. Um, well, I'm quite happy to park the Neville. Well, because yeah. he, he had many, many seasons he, Because since, he did, he carried he? on, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, then that, that, that leaves us with, with a choice of just two then, does it? Um, New, uh, Newcastle. I, I, don't think, I don't think I can go past this Manchester City victory at Manchester United, um, Mark, because, um, as you say, uh, to me, it, it both marks in historical terms the handing on the torch, but also mm. in the race, one of the best title races in the, you know, in that race where the two teams ended up nose to nose, um, it was the one that changed the, the shape of the season at the end. So I'm happy to go with um, Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. You're very kind. It's not always me, but in this case, it was me. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. You're very competitive. I never think about these things as competitions. We're supposed I'm to be get, mates having Trust me, I'm getting the T-shirt made so I can lift my outer shirt over my head so you can read it. They don't have to back my project, it's the owner that backs my project. So, some of them may not potentially back the project. But there is none. It's not a Chelsea side playing with confidence and belief. It's a, a defence that looks leaky and looks shaky and looks like it will con can concede almost every game it plays. The best performance then is Manchester City winning 6-1 at Manchester United. One of the reasons chaps uh, and listeners who are chapesses as well, guys and gals, why I love English football is because it is so unpredictable. Of course, I say this in full knowledge that Liverpool are 25 points ahead at the top of the table just now. Um, but that same Manchester United team during the same season had an incredible um, victory. So my worst performance of the season is Arsenal. They went to Old Trafford and scored twice. You think, wow, that's a pretty good performance. And they missed a penalty. Mm. So they could easily have had three goals that day at Old Trafford. Unfortunately, Manchester United scored eight times. Ah. Um, now, the traditional way around where I live to say this is, oh, I see Manchester United and Arsenal shared ten goals, except Manchester United were rather greedy. Um, <laughs> they did share ten goals, but not evenly. Um, there were some great goals in there. I think Nanny scored an absolute belter. Um, I think partly... It may have been that Arsenal were a team somewhat in transition then. They're, they're, they're starting 11. I mean, I, they, no one could say that Arsene Wenger was particularly bothered um, about having great defenders in his teams. Um, but that's, this, this was the Arsenal back five. Um, it was Chesney in goal. Ooh, Chesney. Um, Koscielny. <laughs> uh, Juru, this week sacked by his club Sion in Switzerland for refusing to take a pay cut in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. Oh, well played. And Carl, and Carl Jenkinson and Traore. So let's be fair, that was not the strongest defence Arsenal ever put out. Um, Francis Cochlin was um, running around in front of them, defensive midfield. But it was a team that did contain 
you know, um, Walcott at the, at the height of his powers, Thomas Rosicki, Arshavin, Van Persie, who was brilliant that year. Um, but somehow that, that group of players contrived to score two, Van Persie missing the penalty, but conceded eight. My worst performance of, of the season, 2011-2012, uh, is that of Arsenal at Old Trafford. And I can tell you with a certainty that among the hordes of Arsenal fans I know, at least two said that they would never, ever go and watch that team again. Now, I don't know whether they stuck to that. In fact, I know that they didn't. But <clears> in, a public, in a public house in Islington that evening, they were saying, never, enough of this now. We're never, ever. And this is in the days before Arsenal fan TV. They, they were moaning. Wow, and going imagine like now. They yeah. just, just had to yeah. tell, oh, you imagine wow. tell friends and family. But this is the thing about this one, Sean, isn't it? I mean, and, and as Dan, you know, as you say, you set out perfectly in terms of the, of the personnel available. But Wenger's teams then didn't, this didn't happen to them, did it? No, not at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I watched that game back in, in, over the last 48 hours. Oh, Not really? All of it, but, yeah. but the highlights of it. I mean, Manchester United that day were absolutely fantastic. They really were. You mentioned the nanny chip. The two goals by Rooney, the two um, free kicks, one in one top corner, one in the other way, through the eyes on, on Chesney. But then he, he, he ended up with a hat-trick on the day. Two curling efforts by Ashley Young. Yeah. Two of the best, go- best goals as well on the day. That was before he started diving. Yeah. <laughs> in between dives, yeah. Or before he started earning year-long contracts at huge clubs in Italy. Yes, very nice yeah. too. Amazing. Yes. Well played Amazing. him. Um, I, I want... I'm so torn because I think the next two... I have to know what you're both going to nominate. Um, and I think they're both fantastic. Uh, why don't we start with, with Mark? Because we started the show with Sean being on the pitch for something amazing. He's also on the pitch for something amazing in the worst performance category. So why don't we start with... And I'm loving your one. Of course, I've, a, I've got a dog in this fight, Mark. Yeah, I'm sure you have. And, you know, it's, I, think it's a, I think it's a tragedy that I've got nominating because I, for one, was looking forward to calling a really successful manager only by his initials for many, many years to come. And yet we didn't get the chance to stick around with AV, be for too long. Oh, Andre Villas-Boas, uh, they 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 managed to absolutely. I mean, they absolutely nicked him out of Porto for for only fifteen million euros compensation to get, get a him world into, record fee. Yes, yeah, bargain to, to get to take over from Carlos Ancelotti, whose career had been absolutely quite fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don't know why you're getting rid of me, but there you go. So they so they went for the young managers, the the laptop manager of the time, as as we know. It was being described, and he started all right. He didn't lose many till he got well into September. And wow, I, I don't think the wheels can come off a laptop. Shall I say the the top came off the laptop? <laughs> it, I, I don't know if that works as an analogy, um, but it became a, a sorry mess it, to the point where you had uh, player revolt going straight to Roman Abramovich about the whole situation. Um, he lost to Napoli in the Champions League. While Frank Lampard, Michael Essen, and Ashley Cole watched from the bench, wow, very good, and was then it? confronted by the club technical director on the behalf of Roman Abramovich, saying, "Excuse me, could you explain quite what's going on here?" Um, he was gone after losing one nil to West Brom. Um, it was what was it? it? Might be nine, ten months he lasted. I'm not going to bother to do the sums on that. I mean, it was nine just months. A, it, so it was that a million and million or so a month. The but privilege. Sean, we all know that you know. Uh, Simon Jordan often says to me that football runs on two things: gossip and money. Mm. Um, I think there's a third thing: laziness. They've got 
But they had such a huge success with Jose Mourinho by saying, oh, look, Porto are not a bad team. Let's get their young manager, see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Bingo, it turns out that he is <laughs> or was then a genius. Um, so this time around, they're looking for someone to replace the lovely, avuncular figure of Carlo Ancelotti. Oh, look, Porto are doing okay. They've got a young manager. Why don't we get him? Yeah. I just thought it was lazy nonsense. Fifteen million pounds. Can well you imagine? For yeah. a and then we saw, you know, then he goes uh, Daniel Levy, of course, who just loves the next Chelsea manager or player, and uh, then picks the <laughs> picks the guy up, and he comes and does exactly the same thing at Spurs. And despite his endless protestations that he has a great win record at Spurs. Um, he did that same thing, wearing that navy blue Mac and squatting down like he couldn't find a public toilet on the side of the pitch <laughs> to try and manage a football team. You didn't, you oh, didn't say it as a piece of performance <laughs> art then, Dan, as it were, sort I of like a comment on his own coaching career or something. <laughs> do, you know, you know? do you know what, Mark? I always thought he was doing this to make it easier for me to kick him up the arse, frankly. <laughs> to lift your foot too high I like it exactly I'm not, I'm not as supple as I used to be and at least I could boot him now where I wanted to boot him I should say in his defence that he had a relatively uh, successful period after that at Zenit St Petersburg where he did win the title with them and these days he's plying his trade at Marseille but his two years in London um, were pretty it bad pretty. and you're absolutely right to point out in 2011-12 he took a Chelsea team that would go on with exactly the same players to win the Champions yeah, League under a, rookie, yeah. <laughs> under a rookie manager, he managed to get them <laughs> into a position where they had to sack him. And finally, in our worst performances part of the Game Day Record Book Archive podcast, we come <laughs> to Sean's selection, which is just magnificent. Sean starts the, the whole program being on the pitch. You're still on the pitch for this one, Sean. I, I, was, I was on the pitch, but only for a short time. It, the date was Go the on. 2nd of October, 2011. Right. And um, so the season had obviously... Prior to 2011-2012, we'd at QPR managed to win the championship and found brilliant us, team, which was a great team. Yeah, it was, it was wasn't a it? brilliant, brilliant team. A at the time. And a joy to watch. It was a great thing. team. We had some fine players, and we had Adele Tarabd had a season that most footballers could only dream of, didn't he? He did. But how things change. <laughs> how things change. So Adele was amazing. The best player I ever played alongside. For that, for that one year, he was... Honestly, Danny, I can't tell you the things he'd done, both on the pitch and off the pitch, were very, very different. But there Adele on the pitch was amazing. Off the pitch, he was a different kind of character. However, off the pitch, he was very, very much rewarded for the last contract, might I add, by Bria Torrey and Eccleston prior to Tony Fernandez oh, right, arriving. Right. So Bria Torrey and Eccleston was our old chairman and uh, double double chairman and, and donors. And then, obviously, the new chairman arrived. But as a little thank you, parting gift, he managed to... Um, give Adele this wonderful Premier League contract and then Adele decided to stop being a, a footballer basically and he found himself on on the back of some terrible performances and on, on this particular day we had a, a London derby against against Fulham at 3-0 down at half time Neil Warnock oh, well the manager at the yeah. time decided to bring two terribly um, ter terrible players in on the day he brought Sean Derry off <laughs> And Adele yeah. to wrap at half time. So I in took all it. honesty, 
In all honesty, which of you had been worse in that first 45 minutes? Oh, well, I, had a, I had a real bad game. <laughs> <laughs> I had a terrible game. I really did. And, I was, well, I, well, it stood out in the crowd of many, many fine performances, Sean. But, Let's be honest. But Sean, you know. but Sean help, 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 help. Sorry, I, don't lose your thought, but you have to help me here. I need the details. When Adele Tarad has a bad game, you can see it. His yeah. dribbles don't work. The yeah. passes are going awry. Yeah. When you're essentially like you, a let's be honest, a, yeah. a, mid, a, a defensive midfield player, how can you tell you're having a bad game? Do you know game? what? I, 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 was, I, I couldn't get around the pitch. I literally couldn't ah. get near to anybody. Ah. I mean, the midfield for for um, Tottenham, sorry, Tottenham Fulham. for Fulham on that day, they were brilliant. They really were. I mean, they had Clint Dempsey who was who, who was in great form. Andy Johnson and Bobby Zamora played at the top for them, and they were a brilliant That's couple. Zamora. For them. Yeah. Uh, and but I just couldn't get any and, and I remember the pitch being really spongy and it it knocked me off so literally one of those bad pitch. dreams where you pitch. can't move it was spun <laughs> my legs just didn't work <laughs> let me put it wow. that way but at half time I got subbed and so did Adele and I took my medicine I got my kit off you know yeah. I put my tracksuit on and I, I I watched the game from the cottage because I model professional yeah. model professional one person <laughs> decided to leave Craven Cottage that day and catch the bus home back to Hampstead where he lived and that one particular person was Adele Tarrat do you know what and he got the bus Mark he got the bus home outside Cra- Craven Cottage it's not, and do you know it's not an easy walk it's one of the <laughs> most difficult grounds to get to the, 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 your Putney yeah. Bridge you've got your Hammersmith and but it's right in the middle it's, of the it's all buses. uphill as well isn't oh, it it's so, all uphill from Chelsea to so from... He, he really put he really challenged himself in that second half then so, to getting rap, home yeah, I'll be honest to rap, Mate, he made his way home at 45 <laughs> minutes into a Premier League game. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And when we got into training on the Monday morning, wow, you haven't seen a scene like it. Wow. It was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, that year was just bizarre because we had all these players arriving from all these different types of football clubs and we were paying them extraordinary amounts of money and there was just little clicks everywhere and Adele was in a little click. and all other, Not just Adele, let me... I'm not wouldn't like to no, just paint no, no. Adele. Yeah. But there were so many people. Who, it was just bizarre. It really was. I mean, obviously, I mean, the next year we got relegated. And back to the... Uh, back to Sorry, to the... Um to the actual game. So it's 3-0 down at half-time. Yeah. Warnock goes off the deep end, sacks you, sacks Adele, yeah. brings the, but you lose 3-0 again in the second we, half. We, yeah, we was equally as bad in the second <laughs> half <laughs> as the first. Take comfort <laughs> where you can get it, Sean. That's Absolutely. what I always say. Yeah, yeah Congratulations to, 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 to uh, QPR. Equally bad in both halves. But QPR to lose at their, at their local rivals. That's old. Wow. Lest we forget, it's a West London derby, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, Sean, it's, it's, it's a beautiful tale. And one of many you've told us this afternoon, um, Mark, we and you are, we've got to decide whether um, Manchester United's <laughs> absolute eviscerating of Arsenal is the worst performance. Andre Vias Boas coming and squatting at the side of pitches in various parts of London. But I don't think I, I don't want to go past. I love um, local derby, Fulham six, QPR nil. I don't know about you. <laughs> I've got to say as well, I used to have a favourite Adele, and she's a lovely singer. But she, <laughs> hey. She's now number two. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Adele Tarabd and uh, QPR losing 6-0, 3-0 in each half. Um, I've got Neil Warnock's phone number on my phone, one of the very few I do have because I used to work with him on a breakfast show. Um, I might ring him up and find out how he thought about that game a little later on. (laughs) Listen, it's been an absolute joy uh, to listen to both Mark Webster and Sean Derry. In the particular difficult circumstances in Britain at the moment, I want to thank you both for coming in. Cheers, Dan. Thank you. 
to every one of you downloaded this, I'll say this. I know you've got much more important things to be doing with your time now, but I do understand that us broadcasters, as long as we can still do it, albeit in these strange circumstances where I sit in a foam bubble doing it, um, our job is to continue to inform and entertain you um, because life has to go on even in the midst of, of what is essentially now social lockdown. Um, I'll end by saying thank you for taking the trouble to download our podcast and say that I hope on behalf of myself, producer Jeremy and Sean and Mark, that each and every one of you and your family and loved ones stay safe. God bless you all and cheers for now. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.